this is exactly what needed to happen in order for me to learn and grow so that I can become the version of myself that brings that vision to life on the other side. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure, the show for successful people and for those who want to become successful, the only show that reveals the true nature of success. This is your host, Jim Harshaw, and today I bring you Jennifer Hudgy. Jennifer is partnered with Cameron Harold in the company Vivid Vision. If you recognize Cameron Harold's name, I interviewed him in episode 356. He's the author of the book Vivid Vision, an incredible life-changing book for me, and I think it would be for you as well. I recommend the book. You absolutely must listen to that episode, episode 356. Jennifer is kind of has for a long time worked behind the scenes in this company now, and she's no longer behind the scenes. She's a huge name herself in the entrepreneurial world. She has worked with brands like Tony Robbins, Bulletproof Coffee, Brendan Burchard. If you recognize any of those names, those are some huge, huge brands and, and huge names. And she really helps people clarify their vision. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, this, this is maybe for entrepreneurs. She works with entrepreneurs, but this interview and really what she does overall is for everybody. It's not just about clarifying the vision for say your business or your career. It's about clarifying the vision for your life. And she shares seven blocks, these seven blocks. And oh my gosh, I mean, get ready for the daggers to fly because these are going to strike you. I guarantee multiple of maybe all seven of these secret blocks, these hidden blocks people face, maybe all of these are going to hit home for you. They're so powerful. They're so helpful when it comes to identifying any blocks that you have in yourself and how to clarify the vision that you want for your life and the fears that are holding you back, maybe the doubts that are holding you back. She blows all of them up. So get ready to have your mindset totally be shifted in this interview. If you like this kind of interview, you like this kind of episode, give it a share, let people know, text a friend today, share it on social media, let them know about the Success Through Failure podcast, in particular, this episode. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. All right, let's get into it. My interview with Jennifer Hoodie. You started your first company at age 13. You became an entrepreneur at a ripe young age of 13. Tell us about that. Yeah, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. We were talking about this earlier. I actually grew up on a farm in the middle of Saskatchewan, Canada. 500 people in our farm. No street light. I even had a pet buffalo that was named Rosie that I brought to school for show and tell. So very, very rural. And... One of the values that my parents, my father, my grandfather instilled in me and my siblings early on was entrepreneurship because I really got to see that entrepreneurship equals freedom. It also equals really hard work. So early on, my sister, my two cousins and I, we all started a little business where we bought a little plot of land. And we began to farm it. And each year, if we did well, we would buy another plot of land and another plot of land. And then when it got big enough, we ended up hiring 
people to farm it for us. And then at a certain point, we ended up selling the little plot of land. And then we ended up investing in a tiny little cabin at a lake nearby. And we ended up then selling that cabin several years later and then reinvesting again. And so that was my first introduction. Eventually, the the continuation of each one of these investments and then reinvesting it, reinvesting it. By the time I was 19, I ended up selling part of the company for six figures and then ended up selling my own separate company for seven figures about two years later. So I have always had entrepreneurship in my blood in many different ways as far as just the the principles of it, but also learning the power of it and the power of investing in myself and finding a problem in the solution. Whatever happened to Rosie the Buffalo, or do we want to know? Oh my gosh. Do you really want to know? I, I think so. Yeah, let's hear it. Well, I actually don't fully know, but so I brought her to school for show and tell. It was one of those things where the teacher says, bring something that you love. And I was like, well, I love my pet buffalo. And so I literally had my mom put her in the truck. And she was a baby at the time. She wasn't a full-grown buffalo, but like an actual buffalo. And she was in the front seat. And my mom drove her to the school so that I could show her. And then after what happens with buffalo, this is probably a fun fact that you don't need to know, but now you do, is that buffalo, when they have twins, the mother disowns one and then takes care of the other. So that's why I had the pet buffaloes because we were taking care of the disowned one. And then when they get strong enough, then you put them back in the herd. So with what happened with her, I always had a special little tag where I can identify her in the herd. But one day I didn't know where she went. And then my brother made a joke that they turned her into a burger. And I don't think that that's true. I, the little the little girl part of me hopes that that's not true. We're just going to leave it at that. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I don't know. Rosie is still out there somewhere. Yeah. She is, she is living a beautiful life, hopefully. <laughs> I was a country. I thought I was a real country boy when I brought, we grew up hunting. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and everybody hunts there, I think. It was like the first day of deer season. Everybody got off of school and I brought a deer heart to school. We were studying like biology and I actually brought a real heart from a deer to school for show and tell anyway. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about you and, and your business. <laughs> so, so Jennifer, you talk about how early in your career, you built a business around your biggest insecurities. Can you elaborate on that and like how you shifted your mindset to focus on your gifts instead? Yeah. So when I was in college, I wanted to build a, another business in college And I decided to create an online fitness course business. So when I was in college, I was a group fitness instructor and personal trainer at the time. And I saw this opportunity where I could use my classes that I was teaching of these 30, 40, 50 people at a time as lead generation for something else that I built on the back end. And so I created this online fitness coaching program for college women, because that was the demographic that I was serving. And it was my first ever experience specifically in the online marketing space or the digital space. And so I didn't really know what I was doing. I just assumed that 
there's that phrase in the field of dreams, Kevin Costner, you know, build it and they will come. And so I just built this online fitness program and I poured so much time, money and energy into it, perfecting the videos and the trainings. And I just assumed that if I built a really good product, then the people would come. And I'll never forget, I did my first ever launch of this product and I was just sitting on my computer clicking refresh, refresh, refresh of my email wondering like, where are the people? You know, they're supposed to be buying that this is an awesome program. And I remember feeling so let down. And there was a part of me that was like, well, maybe it's the course. Maybe I'm not supposed to do this. And I was considering redoing the entire thing. And then I decided to go for a walk, you know, before reinvesting and reconstructing. And I was listening to this podcast where these two hosts were talking about the power of copywriting. And copywriting was something that I never heard of before. I thought it was like a copyright, you know, the legal term or maybe a copyright, a copy machine. And they talked about how if you want to succeed in the online business space, you need to know how to communicate to your ideal audience in a way that really gets them to feel understood and hits their hot buttons and motivates them, et cetera. And my whole world just opened up and I was like, this is what I need to figure out. This is the missing piece. But I had all my stuff come up because I was partially dyslexic growing up. I was an awful speller. I honestly didn't know how to write. I didn't really like writing, but I realized that this was going to be a key skill set for me to learn if I really wanted to be successful in this business that I wanted to build. And so I doubled down on it and I bought every course, training, workshop, anything I could get my hands on to really start to learn this skill set. And fast forward, it ended up completely transforming my business. Uh, I ended up building that business into a multi six figure kind of little side hustle while I was in college. But then that branched out into other people asking me if I could start helping them with their messaging and their copywriting, other entrepreneurs. And throughout my journey, I was so self-conscious about it because I kept having this story. I'm not a good writer. I can hardly spell. <laughs> you know, in some cases, I always get like letters mixed up. But I just kept saying yes, because I knew that there was growth in it for me. And fast forward seven years later, and the company that I built there was called Conscious Copy and Co. And it ended up being one of the top copywriting agencies in the online business space. We were writing copy and I was writing copy for people like Tony Robbins and Brennan Bouchard and Bulletproof Coffee and a lot of the, co the top copywriters in the space we were writing copy for. And throughout that whole journey, there was just this, this little voice though, that was like, you're an imposter. You, you know, you don't know how to spell what if you, you know, you don't know what you're doing, even though the feedback was different. But I realized that there was an insecurity there of twofold. One of that belief that I really got to transform of, you know, I can't do this or because of these limitations. But then also too, I realized that there was a part of me that felt a lot safer and a lot more comfortable sharing other people's message than my own. So I kind of hid behind these really, really big names 
And it was fulfilling because I got to share these big, important messages and get them out to millions of people and get them to take action. But then there was a certain point where I was like, okay, it's time for me to kind of come from behind the curtain and share my own message. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. And that's important for the listeners to hear that somebody like you who's created this amazing company and you've worked with all these huge brands and big you know, brand names and household names to understand that that first you failed, right? And for the listener, I want you to understand like Jennifer failed. I mean, put everything in, went all in on this business, on this fitness course, and it failed. And so I want you to think like, have you had that moment where Jennifer's talking about, you know, hitting refresh and trying to like, what's something's broken here because the sales aren't coming in. Like, what was that moment for you, for the listener? Like, what is that moment right now, that, that moment that you're experiencing? And, and this could be in any area of your life. And it's so fascinating to hear how you moved through it. And it was painful. It sucked. There was doubt and fear that crept in, but you moved through it. You created an amazing company. And even going through that amazing company, you realized there was imposter syndrome going on. And, and it's really helpful for the listeners to hear that somebody like you experiences those things too. It, this is not just something that you know folks who are languishing and struggling to get to their next level are, are dealing with. It's out there. A lot of people dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I will just go back for a moment and share, you know, I say like fast forward seven years, right? <laughs> but in between that seven years, there were definitely way more failures than there were successes. And one of the biggest things that I've learned is it's just, it's getting in the reps, you know, it's constantly committing and just continuing no matter what towards the vision, the North Star. And even that first you know, launch that ended up flopping, the next one, because of the tools, ended up hitting our goal. But then there was like the next one, okay, we flopped again and we flopped again and then we flopped again. And then, oh, we learned another tool that we needed or a lesson that needed to be learned. And then, okay, we got a success and then we fail 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 and then we fail. Oh, and then there was like a big success. So at this point, I've yeah, I've just learned that it's getting in the reps and staying relentless and not quitting because eventually what I know for sure is if I don't quit, th there will end up being that kind of quantum leap moment if I keep showing up for it. Your new company, Vision Driven. You help people get clear on their vision. And the listeners, the longtime listeners have heard Cameron Harold on the podcast before. Talk to us, Jen, for Jennifer, about the process of building that vision, the process of getting clear, because that's what you've done for yourself. That's what you've done for many, many entrepreneurs, very high level people. And what is that process? Because there's, there's a lot of people there who are listening who have a, a general idea of, of a vision for their business and or for their lives, but they've not really crystallized it in a meaningful way. How, how do you do that? The way that I view it is that oftentimes people will mix up having a plan with having a vision. And I believe that if you know exactly how you're going to make something happen, it's a plan, not a vision. 
the vision is if you were to lean into the future, I love using three years out and you took a time machine and step into your life. What do you want each area of your life to look like? What do you want it to feel like? What do you want it to sound like as if it's already happened? And so the more we can crystallize and paint the picture, tell the story of what we want our life to look like, the more that we can have that clear direction and North Star, you know, in the day-to-day moment. And so I believe when it comes to gaining clarity of the vision, there is an inner build required and then an outer build required. And clarity is an inner process as well as an outer process. So in an inner process, I view it from three kind of pillars. So either you are clear of your vision, meaning you know what you want, you know what you would really love, or you're unclear, you're in the unknown. And then there's in the middle, there's this place called confusion. And that's where a lot of people hang out and they stew and they get caught up in this loop. And confusion is you think that you should know, but you don't. And so there's this internal pull. But if you are just simply unclear, I don't know, like, I don't know how to speak Mandarin, but I don't get all confused about it, assuming I should know, then when, when in confusion, that's where a lot of people get stuck. And, w- and when you get stuck there, you tend to just wake up and, and go about your day and do the same thing that you did yesterday for no better reason than that's what I did yesterday. And you kind of end up at a point in your life where you go, gosh, I thought I'd be further along at this point. Why am I still here? Why am I still stuck? Right? Yeah, exactly. And there's modern research that now shows that they can track that each one of us has a default future, meaning that we can rather accurately predict what our future is going to look like if nothing really changes. And usually it's just these incremental small shifts or changes. And the way in which to create, you know, a compelling vision is really to lean in and I say get in a vision state where you're open, relaxed, awake, aware, and start to connect to what it is that you would really love. And in that confusion piece, there's seven blocks that I see people get really, really caught up in. So in leading over 1,500 entrepreneurs through this process, I've been able to find these seven buckets of, I call them invisible blocks. And so what my belief is that your vision is inside of you. It is kind of like an acorn that if planted properly, if gets the right nutrients and water and sunlight can grow into a ginormous oak tree, that that acorn has all of the um, codes in it, the DNA that it needs to grow into that huge oak tree. It doesn't mean that it will, but it has the potential to. So I believe each one of us has this kind of vision seed planted inside of us. And so a goal is to make sure that we remove these blocks so that it can actually bloom. So the first one, the first invisible block is pretending not to know what you want. Because pretending to not know what you want and getting caught up in confusion is a much more convenient cover-up for avoidance. 
So if you catch yourself just not even, if, if someone says, what do you want? And you just say, I don't know. And you don't even give that pause in the moment to get curious. There may be something there. So that's number one. Number two is concerned what other people will think. And this is so common if you know what you want, but then you pretend that you're confused because you're afraid that deciding and communicating what you want, you're going to receive judgment from maybe people in your family or your spouse or your old friends, or maybe you hear that old high school teacher in your ear around why you can't do it. So then you pretend to be confused. Number three is not allowing yourself to want more because you believe that by you wanting or having more is taking away from others. So there's this sense of guilt. And I hear this a lot from people where they'll say, you know, I'll say, what do you want? I'm just happy with what I have. And, and contentment is beautiful and gratitude is beautiful. But gratitude and wanting more don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can want more and still be so grateful and appreciative and content for what you have. Number four is getting stuck in the how. This is probably the most common one where people will come to me and they'll say, well, I don't know how to do this. So then I'm confused on what I want because I don't know how to get it. And then I'll pause them and I'll say, well, it isn't about knowing exactly how you're going to make it happen yet. First, we just need to get clear of the what, the where, the why. You know, if you were to go on, decide that you want to go on a trip today and you plug into an airline's website, it's going to ask you what questions. It's going to ask you, where are you currently at? Where do you want to go? And when? Same thing goes with your vision. And then it discovers and creates the how, the routes from there. But if you don't even, if, if you don't plug in where you want to go, then the site can't do what it needs to do. I'm sure you you notice this a lot with your clients too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You mean you get stuck in like, I, I don't know how to do it. So therefore, I'm just going to stay status quo. It's like, no, you can feel like every, like I love Reforleo's book, you know, everything is figure outable. Like everything is figure outable. And I can't tell you how many times I think about this often being a coach. I can't tell you how many times I have put my faith in a vision, in a goal that I didn't know how to figure out, that I didn't know how to get from where I'm at to where I want to be. But you put your faith in there and you believe it and you feel it and you crystallize that vision. And, and before you know it, like, holy criminy, like this thing that it just happened. Like I didn't know how to get, you know, there was, the, it was a black box. It was a mystery. And like either you meet somebody or somebody comes into your, your world that, that kind of reveals like how to get from here to there, or, or it just falls in your lap or you, you back end around it somehow and it happens. So yeah, absolutely seen that. Yeah. If you know how it's all going to happen, it's a plan, not a vision. Yeah. Love that. I wrote down that quote, by the way. That was great. Number five of the invisible blocks is feeling like you're capping yourself. So if you're afraid that by writing something down on what you want is limiting you from something even better, then you may be caught up in this loop. And I see this especially with high achievers and entrepreneurs when they come to our retreats. And there was one at the, at the last retreat where an entrepreneur was like, I don't want to write down the vision of 10 million because does that cap me from 20 million? Does that cap me from 30 million? And you want to find the sweet spot of 
what it is that you would love. And then you know that you're just holding that possibility or something even better than that possibility. But you got to put something down so you have that direction to move towards. So that's such an important piece of not capping yourself. Number six is too much to choose from. So if you ever have vision FOMO or dream FOMO, I have so many things I want to do. Do I write them all down? Do I start all of them? And within the visioning process, there's you know, different phases that you can go in. I first just say, you know, write everything down at first so you can just get it out of your head and then you'll be able to clarify it from there of where you're going to start. But everything is connected in the world. So even if you start pursuing something that you're connected to, there may be ways that you can tie in other things, but start somewhere and focus somewhere. Just start, take action, move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And then the final one, which I was just, I was talking to a client yesterday and this one came up and it comes up so often. I I was helping him pull his vision from him in this next big jump for his company. And there was this moment where he paused and he said, you know, I am afraid of the responsibility of this. And that's number seven is being afraid of the responsibility that's required to bring the vision forth. And so you stay confused. So sometimes it can, you can pretend not to know is really not wanting to be responsible for the knowing. For the listeners, go back and listen to those seven. And I'm going to have them in the action plan. Of course, you can go to jimharshowjr.com slash action to have the, get the list in the, in the show notes here, the action plan. But wow. I mean, what you just listed out there is I, I see it. I mean, I see it myself and I look in the mirror, I see it in my clients and those, that process and these concepts are so powerful and so necessary to uncover. And you always know somebody's good at what they do when they can read your mind and explain your challenges better than you can. And that's, that's what I think you, and I think, I think I do a pretty good job of that with my clients. And Jennifer, this is what you just shared there is like, man, this is, I mean, I've read Cameron's book and I've done the vivid vision. I have my vivid vision, but there's more, there's more there. There's more that need more pieces that need to be unpacked. So really, really, really incredible. So question for you, you know, when you have your vivid vision and you've got this, you've uncovered the blocks, does this insulate you from failure? Do you now no longer fail? (laughs) (laughs) Not even close, not even close, but I'll tell you what is when you have a clear and compelling vision, something that just lights your soul, your heart on fire, that inspires you to show up, wake up every day and say, I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Life is going to present challenges. That's inevitable for every single one of us. But when you have a vision, you can look at that challenge. And instead of thinking, why me? Not again. Oh my gosh. Like this again, you get to look at the challenge as the raw material. And, And what my mentor, Mary Morrissey says, the content of your life is the curriculum for your evolution. And so you look at the content, you look at the challenges, you look at the failure and you say, all right, this is my curriculum. 
this is exactly what needed to happen in order for me to learn and grow so that I can become the version of myself that brings that vision to life on the other side. I always talk about how when you have a vision, when you're inspired by the goals that you've set for your life and the vision that you have, hard work becomes inspired action. I talk about my, my wrestling career. It's hard. Wrestling is, is by nature. It's just a hard sport. You talk to anybody who's wrestled and also done you know, other sports, they'll always say like wrestling is just, it's not a game. You don't play. It's not that fun, it's, but it's very rewarding. And there's a difference between hard work and inspired action. Like hard work is just hard work. I mean, digging dishes is hard work. But if there's a purpose behind it, it becomes inspired action. Like if there's a reason, if you're you're living out your purpose and you're chasing this vision that you've created for your life, the hard work, it's inspired action. Like I, when I was building my business on the side, I was working full time in a job that required nights and weekends and travel. And I had four kids and I'm building this business on the side. You know, I'd wake up early, I'd stay up late. I would, you know, work through my lunch hours. I would squeeze in coaching calls here and there. It was like, it was really, it could be looked at as hard work, but it was inspired action because it was, there was this vision at the end and this vision of being an entrepreneur again and, and getting to travel and work from anywhere. And, and when I was, you know, living and working in Montana for two summers in a row, like that was the vision, like the vision came true. It was all that hard work. It was really inspired action. And so for the listener, when you think about the hard work that you're doing right now, this process turns it into inspired action. Jennifer, what is your view on failure? We talked about how obviously the vivid vision doesn't stop failure, but you figure things out. It keeps you moving. You stay inspired despite the pain and suffering that might happen and the self-doubt and all that that creeps in. But what is your take on failure? Like, What is your perspective on it? How has that changed maybe for you over the years? My view on failure now is different than it was before because of many failures and lessons along the way. Now I view it as a redirection, as just a sign that either something needs to change or I, I need to change the way I'm thinking about something. And now I honestly view it as the raw material for some sort of shift and transformation. So I'll go back for a moment. Um, in January of 2019, 2018, I set this really big vision for my business, for my life. At the beginning of the year, I was feeling on fire, super excited. And I was running my copywriting business at the time. And the week after I wrote that whole vision down, I got a call from my second in command to my company. And she told me that she was going to leave and she was putting in her notice that she wanted to start her own business. And then like two days after that, I got a message from one of my other team members who also said that he was putting in his resignation. Shortly after that, I received an email from a client of mine, our largest client, our largest account that they were taking all of their copywriting in house. And I was already feeling from the prior year, just like pretty burnt out, pretty exhausted. I was looking at my upcoming quarter and already 
my my whole calendar was full with a bunch of business initiatives that we had going on. And I was like, okay, now I got to find a new second in command. I got to kind of reorganize our offers. I got to do all these things. And there was a moment that I definitely was like, fell, fell into being a victim of like, oh, you know, this is happening to me. God, I, I don't know. How am I going to solve this? What was me? This is not good. I remember calling my mentor at the time and I was like, I don't know what's happening, but this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. And, and she was just like, Jen, stop it. She's like, this was actually perfect. She said, you just set a bigger vision for your life. And by spiritual law, anything that isn't a vibrational match to that vision is going to come up to be released and transformed, both in your external world, but also in your inner world of maybe ways of being that you can no longer play. Maybe maybe mental certain thoughts or certain beliefs around, oh, you got to do this on your word, your own, you got to work harder, all of these things. Those are not a match to who you're becoming. And so in that moment in time, it could have definitely looked like a failure and it sure as hell felt like it. And there was something that ignited in me. And that's what I think the gift of failure is, is oftentimes it requires us to have the honest, hard look at ourselves to be like, okay, what's really not working here? Because when things are good or even okay, it's easy to coast. But when they get really uncomfortable, those are the times where we're like, oh, okay, there's a reinvention that's required here. And so that's what happened. And and fast forward to that quarter, we ended up having the best quarter business-wise. That year was our best business year. There was so much reorganization at play. And there was so much growth. There was so much richness because there was so many parts of myself that I had to let go of that I could not take with me in who I was becoming. But I felt it all stemmed from that failure. Wow. Can't tell you how many clients that I've seen who have gone through our coaching program through Reveal Your Path. And and we do a a process of, of setting a vision. It's not to the depth that you do, but we create a vision, we identify core values, we set goals that align with those values, and we create what we call the environment of excellence, and then a plan, a long-term plan to actually follow through on all of this. And so often, I see clients go through some challenge where it's they lose their job or something negative happens or perceive, they perceive to be negative, and I just reassure them, like, this is the path, like things are happening for you. Like you've committed to going through a process to move from the level that you're operating at now to the the next level and changes are going to come and they're not always going to look the way you think that they're supposed to look. And it's hard to tell somebody that in the moment. You have to really have this understanding going into those moments or at least have somebody outside of your own head, a coach or a mentor who can say, hey, listen, um, I told you this might happen. And I've seen this happen many, many times before, and we're going to be talking six months or a year from now, and you're going to be at a new level. Just trust the process. But it's hard to do in the moment. It's so hard to do in the moment. Yeah. And I don't think that there's value in in bypassing it. I think that like facing it head on and feeling the suck and feeling the feelings that come up around it, that's also such an important piece because that's where a lot of the juice is 
for us versus being like, okay, I, you know, it's the, I know this is, it's all working out and it sucks in the moment. There's a crucible experience that I have to go through here in order to get the lessons that I need and to get away from the things that I was doing or not doing towards that next level of myself. Yeah. Jennifer, so for the listeners who are bought in, they love what you're saying, what's an action item they can do? What is some advice you can provide, something that they can do moving forward to take action upon what they learned here from you today? Well, I would go back through the seven invisible blocks and circle the one to two that maybe most resonate for you in where you're at right now. And Write a little sticky note for yourself of a reminder of what you're going to choose instead. What is the belief to choose instead and overriding that? When I talked about earlier in our conversation where there's the inner build and then there's also the outer build and the outer clarity process. And so with the outer process for when it comes to clarity that I think is so important, I say it's trying what is on life's buffet. So if you are noticing that you're unclear of what you want, are you allowing yourself to go and try a lot of the experiences to even be able to filter of what you like and what you don't like? Or, you know, say if you're wanting a career change, how can you put yourself in environments, whether it's reading books or events or podcasts or whatever it may be to go and try to get a taste of what are the possibilities that are even on the menu? Because so many people, they say that they're unclear of what they want, but they haven't actually went and explored what it is. And so in doing those two things, that's a really powerful step in beginning to get clarity and recognizing that it's an evolving process, that the more experience that you have, the more that you're in that inspired action, the more feedback you're going to get of what you like and you don't like. And one of my favorite quotes is, polarity creates clarity. Polarity creates clarity. So knowing what you don't want is just as valuable as what you do want. So if you know what you don't want, then swap it. Okay, what is the opposite of that? And then lean into that. For the listener, don't let this episode be just another podcast episode you listen to and Go back to checking email or getting into the minutia of life. Take action. Jennifer just gave you very, very clear action items. Take action on these. Jennifer, thank you so much. Where can people find you, follow you, engage with you, et cetera? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook at um, Instagram. I believe it's actually Jen Hootie, J-E-N-N-H-U-D-Y-E. Uh, and then Facebook, it's Jennifer Hoodie, H-U-D-Y-E, and LinkedIn, same thing. And then the website is visiondrivenglobal.com. Excellent. And as always, for the listeners, we'll have those in the action plan. So Jennifer, thank you so much for making time on the show and sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much, Jim. It was great. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, Let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. 
Just open up your podcast app if you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.